Well, Louisville kept sweetening the pot for him year after year after year, uh, and it was never good enough. He eventually was getting a 10-year, $25 million contract from Louisville. And several different times in his Louisville tenure, he came out and said, this is where I want to be. I appreciate what you guys have done for me here. The last time when he got the $25 million contract, he said, this is where my family wants to be. I want you to believe it. Not because it's true, but just because he wants everybody to get off his back and quit wondering about where he was going to go. Well, five months later, he was gone to Atlanta for $24 million. He's, I mean, he's his, um, you know, I've, I, I've mentioned... I can't say that I'm not going to ride a motorcycle again because I, I, I might do that. Uh, the ironic thing is, is they're sitting there in the kitchen, um, Becky and I, and I had two helmets out, and I said, this one's going to be really heavy and hot, and then this one makes me look like a conehead. I certainly wasn't shocked. It was here we go again. This is... Uh five straight years that Bobby Petrino has been a head coach and five straight years he has tried to get another job. He is terminally unhappy everywhere he is in every capacity that he's in. He's always looking for the next step and uh, he found another one here. He's now had three jobs within a calendar year. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Terminally unhappy everywhere he is. Seems like a great way to describe Bobby Petrino. Uh, Jared, do you have a date? On that audio, uh, I know you were telling us it's just it's old that that's all you had for us was that it's old because that's got to be a, a decade old or something like that, and somehow I don't have a date on it. it wow, and somehow it still applies. Like yeah. that that is a that is talking about Bobby Petrino being a decade old, and it's still the same exact logic applies yeah. where he is just always going to be looking for a new job. Regardless of how long he's had the job, 21 days, he's always going to be looking for a new job. That was job. Pat Forty. I talked to Pat yesterday, and he said about the same things in terms of <laughs> no, has he ever been happy anywhere? To take people behind the curtains, Ed, during while I was playing, that was looking at me like, did did he was he on with us? like was he on with us yesterday? And it's like, no, this is a decade old same guy. So. Bobby Petrino leaves UNLV after being the offensive coordinator for 21 days. He took the job at Texas A&M. He is presumably uh, tripling his salary. He was going to get paid $300,000 here. The previous Texas A&M offensive coordinator was making $850,000. So there's a, there's a good chance he's making a million dollars to be the offensive uh, coordinator. Yeah, I think he's, he's getting a million. At Texas A&M. Um, from that standpoint, it's an obvious choice to go, but you know, yeah. don't, don't take the UNLV job on December 15th when you were still negotiating with Texas A&M on December 14th. Um, but here's a fun story from yesterday. ESPN before, before the Bobby Petrino news, ESPN had this story about, uh, college football coaches and how paranoid they are of other teams stealing their signs, stealing their signals and knowing what plays they're running. In this story, there's uh, members of the chain gang are accused of stealing signs what? because the chain gang is apparently hired by the home team. It's not hired by the conference. Right. It's hired by the home right. team. So there is accusations that the chain gang is on the visitor's sideline and they're relaying information with hand signals over to the home sideline. Uh, there was a story about Navy. They got upset because a TV camera crew was like, we want to shoot the game from the other sideline to show your sideline and the um, uh, cadets behind you. Mm -hmm. And they, and apparently one of Navy staffers is like, that's not a good idea. Cause when I was at another school, we did that to steal the other team signs. 
And there was a coach in this story that accused a team of using like a 12-year-old kid to sit in the crowd and just film their coaches when they were calling plays and then send it Is that to the his Idaho coaches. State kid. Yeah, it might have been. <laughs> that was yes. So it's it's <laughs> a great joke. story. There's a whole bunch of fun details about coaches being paranoid and accusing other teams without ever saying them about what they how they were stealing signs. There is, however, one guy that gets named in this story, and it's Bobby Petrino. Uh, this is when Bobby Petrino was a head coach at Louisville, and ESPN actually talked to a former NC State ball boy, a guy named Logan, Logan Blankenship. And if you're, un- if you're unaware, ball boys for a team will actually be on the visitor's sideline with whatever, three or four footballs, so that when their team's on offense the referees can quickly get a football from either side if mm-hmm. they need to rotate in a new football. Or, hey, here comes the special teams. The kicker uses a different ball. So there's a ball boy who is employed by one team who's on the other team's sideline for the entirety of the game. On the other team. And he runs up and down the sideline, is usually going to be by the coaches because he's by the line of scrimmage. And here's here's the, what ESPN wrote in the story. The coach in question told Logan Blankenship, get away from me. At one point, the coach even went to the referees gesturing toward Blankenship. Blankenship said it was bizarre. The game was close. You could feel the intensity in the stadium. Maybe that's why the coach was so wound up. Honestly, he said he had to stop himself from laughing. It felt like such an out-of-body experience. He wondered, is this guy for real? Later, Blankenship and his fellow equipment managers talked about the incident. We were like, how would we even tell our team what they were doing? I don't know. Some people have really good imaginations. Blankenship later during this interview got asked, was that coach Bobby Petrino? And Blankenship's laughed and said, yes. Yeah. So Bobby Petrino, when he was the head coach at Louisville, complained to the referees at one point about the ball boy that an NC State ball boy was stealing his Sorry. plays and relaying it back to the NC State sideline. How? I mean... He's standing right next to Bobby Petrino. He's holding two or three footballs. Unless he's on some kind of secret microphone. How in the world would he be knowing what in the world they're going to do? If, if he takes the football and just tosses it like two feet in the air and catches it's it, a that pass. means it's a pass. It's a pass. If he holds on to it, it's a run. <laughs> so Bobby Petrino is like the only guy who got named in this story of being... Um, Completely paranoid. Right. Now... Here's the question, though. If you have coaches that are worried about the ball boy stealing signs, that are worried about the chain gang stealing signs, that are worried about where the TV crew Camera sets is. up to potentially show your sideline, does that mean they're all doing that themselves? Because why else would you be paranoid about the ball boy unless your ball boy was stealing signs yeah. from the other sideline? Well... <sighs> I mean, I think there's a, something to be said about, you know, when you're cheating, it, you're the first person to accuse others of cheating. Right. Like, it's just like, why would I, why would I even think about the ball oh, boy, the TV camera set up the on the opposite sideline? They're going to see our signals unless I was watching the TV cameras to see the other team's right. signals. I, it just seems like every team in college football is probably trying to steal signs this way. And they're now all. Not actually naming names, but pointing the finger and being like, oh, look at what they could be doing. Oh, because, because we we're that. doing it. Right. Because our ball boy is giving right. us the signs from the other side. Um, the ESPN story 
actually talked to, I can't remember his title, head of officials or something with the NCAA. And he gave some quotes and he was like, I understand their paranoia. We've even looked into a lot of these, but he'll be like a lot of times they'll accuse a ball boy or somebody in the chain gang or whatever. And we'll go back and watch footage they send us. And they're like, we see what you're saying, but there's no definitive proof. Like, it's not like he's talking into an Apple watch after every single play. He's like, you're accusing him of putting his fist up to indicate it's a run or something. And like, he did that twice, but not the whole game. So he was like, we hear coaches, we know they're paranoid. We've looked into it, but we, we can't really prove anything from the video evidence they send because it may or may not actually be real. And you have to be pretty fast to pick that up and then call in your own signals. Right, and that was that was the other argument he made. He was like, so what we're saying is the ball boy knows enough about football and the and other the calls, team and the calls. that they can hear the call and know exactly what, what it, it is, is and then relay that to your sideline in time. For you then to relay to it to the linebacker. For, to tell your linebacker with the dot on his helmet, this well, is no, what we're going to say. That's the other key. In football, there's no, in college football, there's no in-helmet communication. Well, then, then signal all, it in. Right. So... <laughs> You've got to so you need the ball boy to be signaling to the to linebacker. The linebacker. Yes, the linebacker's <laughs> got to be looking at the wrong sideline <laughs> to know it's 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 like it's possible, but the the, the but the, it's unlikely, right? But how long it would take? It just yeah, it seems like okay, maybe they stole a player two during the game because your coach said just run it up the middle, and it was like oh, I got that one, guys. They're running it up right. the middle. But it seems so improbable to actually have an impact where the ball boy or the chain gang could actually know. Take a knee. Al- yeah. Also, wouldn't we see some like Astros are Belichickian levels of success if you were this good at cheating? Like if there was some team. That George was- is back in the national title yeah, game. Jared. was pretty good under him. Maybe Clemson lost an assistant and that's why they've fallen off. Okay, but I've seen enough uh, during their reign of terror Alabama games where I was like, oh, Alabama's going to kill these guys. And then they did. It was just... They're a foot taller. Yeah, maybe they're stealing signs. They're better and they're stealing signs. They... I could, I'm could. i surprised Saban wasn't named as one of the complete uh, uh, paranoid lunatics about the oh, ball boys. Uh, the be. chain gang. Has to be. Um, one other detail from this story. Um, they talked to Mike Leach uh, about this. And Mike Leach didn't complain about somebody stealing his signs. He actually complained that one school hired a member of the chain gang and told him to just get in the way of the other team's coaches. Just, oh, just, just walk, walk in front yeah, of them. Wasn't signs. Wasn't like stealing signs. Was just to like get in the way. Just bump into them, block right. their view, all of this. And Mike Leach was like, "I went back and watched some of these teams' other home games, and he's like, there was one team who their offensive coordinator signaled in the plays, and this guy would just stand in front of him." The whole game. Mike Leach was convinced that this team hired a guy to just stand in front of people. To just try to get in the way of whoever was calling in place. <laughs> that's actually a better plan yeah, than yeah, having the ball boy go, Hawk nine, Hawk yeah. nine. That's better than the ball boy throwing it up in the air for a pass. Right. Which is so great. It's phenomenal to just be like, I think this guy's just trying to bump into me. I think he's just trying to block my view of what's going on. And I'm going to go watch film and see if he did it. To, he did it to other teams. Turn him in. You have to, but you also have to hire a guy for that that has the, like the Mr. Bean esque of, oh, was I in your way? Because <laughs> otherwise, it's like, dude, you're in my way. It's great. It's absolutely phenomenal how paranoid coaches are, and I 
cannot get enough of it. And Bobby Petrino was one of those paranoid coaches. And I, I, you know, I said earlier in the show, the most important hire that Barry Odom is going to make on his staff is his offensive coordinator. It might be his ball boys. Or his chain gang. It might, it might be the chain gang at Allegiant Stadium. Gang. How do you steal their signs efficiently enough that you can implement it? Maybe that was Marcus Arroyo's biggest downfall. He didn't steal enough signs. I don't know. I know some folks in town who wouldn't mean buying being a ball boy, stealing some signs. <laughs> well, so the other detail in the story, they talked to Pat Narduzzi, and Pat Narduzzi was like, when I was in middle school, I was a ball boy. And he was like, I had no clue what was going on. But Pat Narduzzi was like, nowadays our ball boys are are student managers, like they're they're kids. Well, in they're around the program that want to be coaches. So right. he's like, now our ball boys might actually know something. They whereas, might actually pick up something in the call to know what the play right. is. Whereas, like when I I was in sixth grade doing it, and I right. was just like, oh, I better not make anybody angry over right. here. Exactly. So again, possible, yes, probable Unlikely. that it happens all the time. Uh, the ball yeah. boys. The chain gang. I think you're better off with the, the chain TV gang. camera. Yeah, the chain gang just uh, getting in the way of Mike Leach <laughs> signaling in his plays or the offensive coordinator. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. I guess you've got a point there. Do you think we're on the air, Jared? Um, I believe so, but also a road is closed for avalanche concerns. I did not catch what road it was. <laughs> Avalanche. So if it's not Flamingo, I need to get home. That was the emergency warning. Flamingo. Yes, Flamingo. I I think you're good. (laughs) Uh, All right. You do Bischoff's Reeves. I'm going to Google Avalanche Concerns Las Vegas and see what comes up. Uh, The NCAA Transformation Committee. What a name. Uh, Earlier this week, they recommended... Expanding the NCAA tournament. This is part of a goal to have every NCAA sport invite about 25% of its members to the postseason. This is only for sports with 200 members, so it wouldn't apply to college football. Um, the current NCAA tournament invites 19% of Division One basketball teams. 25% would be roughly 90 teams in the NCAA tournaments. Now, This is a recommendation from a committee. This is not an official change. It's simply a recommendation. There's still, I believe, two more steps, two more groups that would have to approve this for the NCAA tournament to actually expand from 68 teams. And because it's a recommendation, there's a number of options here. They could stay at 68. They could expand to roughly 90 teams. They could expand to whatever number they want if they want to do 100. 24, they could do that if they want to do, or 128, or if they just wanted to do like 72, they could do that. So, Starfish off Priest, the question for you. Do you want to see the NCAA tournament expanded? Why do I want to say yes? And I want to say yes because since 2013, the Rebels have not made it. And we need to cover, we need to cover the Rebels in the NCAA tournament. You Every, get to 90, baby. Kevin Kruger's got to be over there. Yes, please. Yes, you Let's get to expand 90. that. Are you kidding me? Oh, you're getting in? They would have been oh, in a couple absolutely. of times in the last eight been, years. Yeah, exactly. So, South Lake Road. Never heard of it. Um, I <laughs> South Lake Road avalanche warning. I don't have a hot take on the NCAA tournament expansion expanding. This is where like I have failed as a radio host because I feel like this is one where I should come in saying hell yes or hell no. Um, but if the NCAA tournament stayed at 68 every year until the day I died, I'd enjoy it every single year. If the NCAA tournament expanded to 72 or 90 or 128, 
I'd enjoy it every single year yes, exactly. until the day I died. You're telling me if we expand it, we get an extra weekend of this? Yeah. I'm on board with yeah. it. The only problem then is I got to find True TV one weekend earlier in the year, and they're probably going to have more games on True TV. Like, because here's the thing with college basketball. If you told me tonight, um, Charlotte was playing BYU, wouldn't watch it, wouldn't care. You tell me Wait, on Zinsay tournament. You tell me on March 27th, Charlotte's playing BYU in the round of 90. I'm watching every second that's what of that I, That's game. what I meant. Any any NCAA tournament, right? If it happens in November, January, no, don't care. No. March 27th, I'm on board. Um, but here was an interesting suggestion. John Gassaway wrote about this earlier in the week. If the tournament expanded, John Gassaway kind of wrote a story about you kind of need to preserve it to where it's not just, oh, the ninth, 10th, and 11th best teams in the SEC and the ACC and the Big Ten now get in. If you're going to expand it, you need to expand it with more spots for mid-major conferences. And one of his ideas was the regular season champ gets in for every conference no matter what. Okay. So if you win your regular season, but then lose in the conference, conference tournament, tournament, you don't get you get into the NCAA tournament. Right, right now, yeah. you don't. But in this, right. if we expand it, you should still get in. That doesn't matter for the ACC or the Big Ten. Or no, the SEC. all those teams are in. Right. If you win the regular season in those conferences, you're getting an at-large spot, no matter what. But for I don't know, Conference USA, for the MAC, sometimes for the Mountain West, you win the regular season, it doesn't mean you're not you're automatically in. in. This would guarantee that. A good example last year was the SWAC. Alcorn State won the regular season, but Texas Southern won the SWAC tourney. Texas Southern goes to the NCAA tournament. Alcorn State does not. If you expand to 90 teams or beyond, all regular season champs should be in. I'd even take it a step further. And if we're going to expand the NCAA tournament, I would just argue every conference gets two auto bids. And the conference gets to decide how they want to divvy that up. The obvious answer would conference be conference tournament and conference tournament champion, regular season and conference tournament champion. Right. And then if it, that's the same team, then your then second you place team, second place team, right. Gets in, or you could do something to whatever you want to do, but that would create a different number of at large teams every right. year, because sometimes there'd be a lot of conferences that would have the same team win the regular season and, the, and conference. the conference tournament. And sometimes there'd be a lot of years where those are two different teams. So you'd have two different teams. I think another detail the NCA should put in if they expand to 90 or beyond you have to be above 500 to go because what you would end up having if they expand to 90 or 128 you would have like if we were just comparing resumes net and Ken Palm I'll give you a good example from last year Kansas State last year their Ken Palm was 61 that was actually higher than Wyoming who got into the NCA tournament Wyoming's was 65 Wyoming got in as an at-large last year. Kansas State was 14 and 17 on the year, but they're in the Big 12. And because they're in the Big 12, you play all of these well, You good get all programs. these quad one games. Right. Every single game you play is quad one or yeah. quad two. And so even though you're 14 and 17, as long as you lose those games by like six points, you're not really falling right. very far. I would like to see, hey, you've got to have a, a 500 record or something like the that. Football, the football one? Right. So that... You know, Kansas State's not rewarded for going 14 and 17. And and granted, last year they were. Wyoming is rewarded for having 25, 25 wins, wins or whatever they had last right. year. That way, because if you go to 90, 
you're going to have a ton of bottom tier power conference teams sure. that have that, some have losing records. Their metrics are going to be better than the yeah. middle of the because of the league they play in. But in reality, we should be rewarding the teams that go, you know, 22 wins in a mid-major conference over the teams that are 14 and 17 in a power conference. So, I again, I don't have a, a hot take on it. If they expand or don't expand, I'll be happy. I'll be fine either way. But if they do expand, I think there should be a couple of rules put in place to to make some more mid to have more mid-majors in than just simply, oh, we just get the second half of the SEC gets into the NCAA right. tournament now too. South Lake Road is located in Inyo National Forest, over 250 miles away. Okay. All right. So if you so, are listening to us 250 miles away, <laughs> avalanche. Stay off of South Lake Road. Um, here was another key detail, by the way. CBS Sports did a story on this. The current television deal for the NCAA tournament runs through 2032. And if you're going, if the NCAA is going to add or change however the format is, they're almost certainly going to do it with the new television contract in mind, because if you're adding a whole new weekend of games, you're selling that for a lot of money. Right. So right. they're not just simply going to add a, another round to the NCAA tournament and not get more money out right. of CBS. Or if somebody else jumps in, whatever it is, they might renegotiate right now, but certainly there would be a television contract change. So this might not happen until 2032 because of that. So, that's a key detail there in terms of when does this happen? If it does in fact happen, we're still looking at like a decade until they might put it in, you know, obviously you put it in place like in 2027, they announce, Hey, we're making this change. Yeah, much like they did the college football playoff. Right. But we're not going to see this for a decade. And one other point, um, unrelated to the NCAA tournament expansion, the transformation committee that was put together to look at all this, apparently, they could have made some more important recommendations than this, but they didn't do it. They could have been the ones to recommend split division one power conferences split away. Like that was a possibility. This transformation committee could have walked out of their meetings and said, okay, we think what's best for college sports in the future is for the division one leagues to be split the power five. They split off. They play their own league and the group of five is in a separate uh, system, separate setup, but they did not do that. That was not a recommendation they made, which at least for now probably delays what seems like an inevitable split mm-hmm. at some point in the future. It doesn't appear as though it's coming uh, very soon until we get some actual change from, I, I guess the SEC and big 10 would be driving that, that at some point we're going to get those two conferences really pushing for let's break away. Let's make this happen. But for now, That hasn't been a recommendation. Coming up next, J.R. Starkish joins the show. Ready for the weekend? Let's find out what's on tap. We can provide you with a wine-tasting tour of Tuscany. We cannot change why you drink. It's Thirsty Thursday with J.R. Starkis. Who needs a drink? Here's our resident chef, (laughs) director of business development, Southern Glaze Wine Spirits, Nevada. He's also our extreme mixologist. It's J.R. Starkis. At JR Starkus on Twitter. You take pictures of this food, Jimmy. No, I gotta be I gotta. I mean, like it's my it's it's my I guess my proof I didn't mess it up. Um You like I, the rare meat. Yeah, I do. Rare to medium rare. I'm not a um, So correct. He yeah, likes correct. meat yes. done correctly. <laughs> yes. Like I don't I don't um we did have some friends over for not not for this New Year's Eve, but I remember one time in particular we had some friends over for dinner and the husband liked the meat 
well done. Okay, you know, fair enough. Like you like yeah, well done. You do yeah, microwave thing. it. So here, honestly, here's what happened. I cooked it, and I, I took mine off and my wife's off, and, and we had medium rare steak, and I left his on for a while, and I cut into the thing, and it was like, it was a well done steak, right? I mean, well done. And I served it to him, and I saw him kind of picking at it, and I was like, "Is it is it okay?" And he's like, "I was like, is that not well done for you?" He's like, "I really like it well done." He's like, "Can I?" And he went and took the pieces that I had cut, and he like held it over the burner on the oven oh, to like man finish. Did it. you believe it was well done? Oh no! It was it was well. It was a color. It was like this. Color. I was gonna say, was there any pink on the inside? Zero pink. It Are was you well. Serious? Yes. Yes. I mean, I can't. I I was. I, he I was like hamburger. laughing. I was like, he wanted more than a hamburger. Like he wanted a hockey puck. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I've never seen a steak. Rough. Yeah, I've never seen a steak that. Well, hopefully you didn't pay too much for the quality of the meat. <laughs> well, I think I don't remember, but I think like his wife even said to us like, "Hey, it's okay if you don't get the best quality meat for him because he's gonna butcher it anyway." <laughs> you know, and I was like, "All right, well." I bought three nice steaks. Yeah, and, and then that thing. <laughs> yeah, that well, one. Whatever, yeah. like fell off the cap. Yeah, yeah. Have Do a... you have anything that's about to expire to the butcher? <laughs> like, I'll buy that one. That's fine. Genuine question. Okay. You're our extreme mixologist. Two. Weeks in a row, you've come in here and shown us the food that you cooked. Mm-hmm. Are you more proud of what you make in a cocktail or what you cook what for I cook, holidays? What I cook because <laughs> because I'm, the other one's secondhand though. Yeah, yeah, that's why because you know I was trained to do the mixology yeah. thing. Like I've been doing it for years. It's what I know. Yeah, it comes in second nature. I don't. It, 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 like if you put ingredients in front of me, that's the point of what I do here. If you put ingredients in front of me, I can probably put something together that will work. Right, food forget about it. it's like a different animal like i'm very <laughs> proud of it because my brother is a chef you yep. guys know that know that um but the, the cooking culinary isn't like i enjoy the flavors that come together but it's not my forte i don't mess food up i'm not like a bad cook i just don't like some of my friends are incredible with the way they can put a dish together and stuff like that so um when i conjure one of those up i'm pretty proud of it yeah I, I ate at the brothers' restaurant uh, there in Colorado, and it was I'm off the right. charts. Yeah. Off I mean, the charts. There are not many arguments that would sway me to think I should have kids, but having kids where one becomes a chef and one becomes a mixologist—that's yes. that's a pretty. That's like, hey, you know, once uh, you get older, as long as they live close to you, just come over and cook for me, and I'm good to go. <laughs> it's funny thing is because when when for a while. Uh, when I worked for Rick Moonen at RMC Food, my brother was the executive chef there. So I was lead behind the bar. My brother was the executive chef of the restaurant. And my parents would come in for dinner. And from Now at the time, they, they didn't live here yet. They, had, they were still in Southern California. But they would come up and they would, they would be like, this is incredible. Like our son's the, the chef, son's our son's the mixologist. Like, the food, they would sit the down drinks. and like, we don't need to see a menu. Just I go would, ahead. I would be there every day <laughs> if I was your parent. Yeah. Like, Tyler right. would become a problem. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My manager asked me to talk to you, Mom. Yeah. I would be there every day because that's that's maybe the most convincing argument to have kids. I haven't cold. heard a better one. The problem is, is I gotta wait until they're like thirty at least to be anywhere close yeah, to Yeah, and then so, hope. Right. Yeah. You're like hope, you're like, hope hey, kids are good. Hey, and kid. hope that they like me still. They might not like me anymore. Yeah, we like my parents. Not many yeah, people do, good. so <laughs> it might be a problem. But it's maybe the most convincing argument. All right. Um, 
in your spare time from cooking over the last two weeks, mm-hmm. what kind of a drink did you make for us? So one of the things that I made over the holidays was cranberry sauce. I like to make cranberry sauce. I think it's such a simple thing to make. I mean, it's... I will stop you really quick. Um, maybe the worst food opinion I have, canned cranberry sauce is better than homemade cranberry sauce. I don't know why it is, and it's probably the worst take I've ever had. I once had to make cranberry sauce with gelatin in it and then form it into the can shape. You want to be- see the lines from because the can? Because one of these people, like a cousin's <laughs> husband, insisted upon it, and it's I better. was just like, I, I already made cranberry sauce. Jared's I'm sorry. A chef, it. I'm sorry, Jared. It's better. Jared's a very good cook. Buy it out of the can. It's better. Like, excellent. So, so okay. buy it out of the can. Whatever you made is not good. Sorry. Okay. Unless it came out of the can. Okay. <laughs> um, now, I will say that while I disagree with you, <laughs> um, I know it's a bad thing. No, no, but here's the thing. Like, I don't hate on it. Like, if you, it was the only thing available, I would eat it. I wouldn't be, like, repulsed by yeah. it. But I believe that fresh cranberry sauce is better. I mean, it's sugar, cranberries, orange juice maybe, and, you know, like maybe a little brown sugar or something. It's not hard to make. So anyway, I made fresh cranberry sauce because – um, in one of my drinks that I had done on the show previously, I had used cranberries as a garnish. Well, you right. can only buy during the holidays, like the mega bag of cranberries. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So I'm like, all right, well, I needed three cranberries for the garnish. So <laughs> now what? Right. So I'm make cranberry sauce. So I utilize the cranberry sauce to be sustainable. All my chef friends will be happy with that. And, uh, so I made the cranberry sauce and, you know, because I made so much, I had leftovers and, and, and I love cranberry sauce and, and there's still a decent amount left, but I was like, all right, well. Somebody might have cranberry sauce left like I do, and how can I make this into a cocktail? So um, obviously canned cranberry sauce versus fresh cranberry sauce. Everybody's cranberry sauce will have a little bit of a different sugar content. Okay. So I'm using in my drink a tablespoon, basically, of fresh cranberry sauce. That can vary based on how sweet or sour your cranberry is. So you have to make this whole sauce just for the drink? No, 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 he no, just no, he's saying if you have leftovers. I was going to say I'd go with the canned you, stuff right away. That's right, and, and you may have leftover cranberry at the house, and here's how you use it. Like, okay. start start with this. You may Like, for leftover cranberry, you might want to use a little bit more um, because, like, the gelatin part, it, it you know, getting a tablespoon of it, it's kind of, it's kind of weird, so you may want to use a little bit more. When you're using fresh cranberry sauce, it, it's easy to scoop, scoop because it. it's softer. It's a sauce, uh, yeah, not, it's a, a, not a solid. Yes, yes, yes correct. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I used a tablespoon and I'm going to, you know, just use a heaping tablespoon of that in my, in my mixing tin. I'm going to use deep eddy lime vodka. Uh, so this is kind of a cross between, uh, a cocktail that's called the breakfast martini that's typically made with gin. And it's kind of a cross between that and a, and a Moscow mule. So you'll see that here. So I'm using a deep eddy lime. I'm using an ounce and a half of that, um, based on the amount of sweet or sour in your cranberry, um, because again, mine was fresh. I used a quarter ounce additional fresh lime juice and just like maybe an eighth of an ounce of agave nectar or simple syrup. That's kind of like a sweet and sour just to give it a little more acidic bump to the drink. Okay. So in the mixing, mixing tin is an ounce and a half of deep eddy lime, uh, a half of an ounce of lime juice, or excuse me, a quarter ounce of lime juice and like an eighth of an ounce of agave nectar. And then a tablespoon of cranberry, cranberry. shake that together with ice. And then you add fever tree ginger beer to it, about three to four ounces of fever tree ginger beer to that mixture, and then just strain it over fresh ice in a rocks glass. I, when you see the video later, um, I used a an, an ice sphere, like a round ice sphere. Um, but yep, there it is. But you can also just use the regular ice out of your refrigerator if that's what you have. But strain it like that, and then garnish it if you have cranberries still. Um, ginger because I use ginger beer. I just use a lime wheel. Use, you yeah, know, use lime. Keep, yeah, keep it simple. 
and, and you have a really wonderful cocktail that um, that kind of utilizes some of the stuff that you have left in the refrigerator still, maybe. Or I just eat the cranberry sauce out of the can. You like can do it's that a too. Package of Jello. Let me ask you this: Can you, if you're legitimately eating cranberry sauce out of the can, do you use a plastic spoon or a metal spoon? It doesn't matter. Really? Haven't considered it. My I've probably wife, used a metal spoon every time. See, my my wife, if she's listening, I can feel her cringing right now because my wife cannot have like if foil or metal touches like a spoon or a fork, she cannot, and she can tell. She cannot put the fork in her mouth. She can, like, smell it or something. Wait a minute. Wait. Whoa. Is your wife the worst X-Men? <laughs> if she, if, like, she, she, if I gave her, if she was starving and I said, here is cranberry sauce, which she likes, in a can, she'd be like, okay. And I gave her a metal spoon, she wouldn't be able to eat it. Because the spoon touched the can. Because the, the spoon could touch the metal. Yeah. She could not do it. What, she what happens? distinguishes I, that? She can, yeah, if, if you gave her, if you put two spoons out and in, in another room, you touched one spoon to foil and one spoon wasn't, or for instance, she would be able to put it in her mouth or smell it and be like, that one touched foil, I can't do it. She, like, it's amazing. I'm confused by the... She just like... What, it, what sense is I don't being know. set off? I don't know, but it is like, she cannot do it. it like, like when you see something on television, like somebody like breaks an arm and you're like, oh, yeah, you know? Yeah. That's the same sense that gets set off to her. Like she cannot do it. And so she like she's like... I've seen her happen. She'll be like, eat some. Oh, my God, that touched metal. Oh, God, getting me another spoon, like, right away. It's crazy. Uh, the, it's okay, so. She's not eating tuna out of a can? No. Not well, with, not, the, with, with the plastic. With the, with the plastic spoon, she she's would. good. So no, if you, like, plastic get, spoon. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you get, like, to-go or something like that and some, like, Thai food, to-go has the, the yes. foil on the bottom. Yeah. She's is a plastic spoon or, or chopsticks that she's not so using. So how many plastic spoons or forks do you guys have? In the I house? have an entire section. <laughs> Of plastic? <laughs> yes. Well, because, you know, when you go get takeout, right, they give you 74 forks right, and they right, throw it all in right. there. We so, have some. Yeah. yeah we yeah. have some leftovers, So we too. keep those for those instances. When that happens, when we get food and we're like, ah, we need a we need a plastic fork. We have we have like a... You're, it, you're not this way. No, 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 no. I mean, I can taste it, but it doesn't bother me. Like, it's not appealing to me, but um, I'm sure there's got to be listeners that are agreeing with us right I've now. Ne- I've never heard of it. All like, right. of all the weird food stuff, like, we're asking Mike Gramala this the next time we yeah, talk to him because, yeah. I don't know, maybe he's never... Asked. I don't think he's even that crazy. Right. I, I don't even think he's I mean, that he would use a, he would use his <laughs> fork. Is she listening? It, she could be, and she's probably... I haven't gotten a text message yet, so... I mean, I, he wouldn't use his fork if it accidentally touched ranch or something, but... I've never heard that before. Yeah, no, it's 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 it's, it's a legitimate thing. Like, uh, she, like I can I can taste it, but... Um, I can get over it. She is unable to move on. All right. There you go. Interesting sounds, fact on sounds, Thursdays. Sounds uh, unfun. <laughs> I mean, there's worse things to have to deal with. I, I guess, like, yes. I mean, if, 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 that's <laughs> that's the, if that's the quirk that my wife has, I'm like, I'll deal. You know, I'm sure there's other guys out there who would love to have that only quirk. Well, he is J.R. Starkus, our extreme mixologist, wow. and suddenly becoming our uh, show chef. As well. JR, we appreciate it. You got it, guys. Thank you, buddy. All right, we got tickets to give away to go see the Golden Knights take on the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday, January 14th. 702-364. That's the phone number if you want to go see the Oilers and the Golden Knights. Call in now. Be caller number 8 at 702-364-1100. Trying to channel my competitiveness in a, in a good way and just continue to be Mac. Obviously, want to have a respect for everybody that plays in this league and coaches in this league. So, I'm definitely things I can get better at and just like with execution of football plays it's the same idea just trying to grow and earn the respect of people um, obviously most importantly in the building you're locked in the press box
Who? What boring sound was that? That was someone. Someone goes, "How do you respond to being called a dirty player to Mac Jones?" And basically, he said everything he possibly could except for the actual like addressing of being a dirty player. <laughs> well, why would you address it? It's not worth it. Oh man, is Mac Jones dirty? What is he? The Grayson Allen of the NFL? He's he's like kicked a couple people or something while on the ground. Then he right? had, yes. Yeah. Then he had the. Then he had the. Tackle? Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Quotes. He should have been dirty in that Chandler Jones play. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Patriots would have already yeah. clinched the playoffs. They're probably like, what's wrong with you? The one time we need you to be dirty, right. you like put up your hand and try to stop a guy who's 10 times bigger right. than you? Just oh, kick no. him. Did you not hear that the... the, the... The whole reason he uh, pile drived him into the ground is he's like, I know this guy's going to kick me, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got <laughs> would, would the Patriots already have clinched a playoff spot if they had won that game? Uh, they it, might Tua have. keeps being either bad or yeah, brain. They might have. Yeah, Dolphins like, kept losing. Right, because, I mean, they beat the Dolphins last yeah. week. Like, that might have, they might have clinched already if it hadn't been for let's throw it backwards to Chandler Jones and see if Mac Jones can make the tackle. <laughs> God. There, legitimate chance the Patriots don't go to the postseason because of that play. Yeah, because of Chandler Jones. Oh, my God. What a nightmare if you're the Patriots and you look back on your season. Like, you, every team that, that misses the playoffs can look back and be like, oh, if this yeah. couple of games had gone our way, the Patriots might literally look back. How about and the Raiders say, if they had looked back and it was just Jeff Saturday? <laughs> Wouldn't that have been something if they were, like, right there this week and they... They missed it by one game and looked back, and it was the only team to lose to Jeff Saturday. They look back, and it's like, so if we beat Jeff Saturday or if we don't let Baker Mayfield drive 98 yards. In two seconds, yeah. We'll be going yeah. to the postseason. Yeah. We'll be going to the postseason. I guess, fortunately, they've lost enough other games that it's not going to we... come down to just those two. No, but it'd be funny if it came down to one of them. Right. I, I, knew, I just genuinely, next week, after this weekend, we have to do like a set aside a Wednesday to just go through game by game of what is the most hilarious, like set up a bracket, the most hilarious <laughs> outcomes. Was it the fact that Chandler Jones got lateraled the ball and that's the only reason they that won? would have to be the leader in the clubhouse? Or was it the fact that Baker Mayfield, fresh off a play and didn't know the playbook, <laughs> went down the, right down the field? Was it, um, was it Murray running back and forth yes. for about a minute and then scoring a two-point conversion? We have so many options. People can vote on it. Oh, the Raiders. Instead of Caller 5, we'll just give away the best <laughs> answer. We'll give away a prize. It's uh, maybe, maybe I'm just um, blinded by what happens in other markets because we focus on Las Vegas here. But... The Raiders, as we've covered extensively over the last couple of weeks, are unbelievably entertaining. Regardless of the the actual wins and losses, they provide content entertainment on a daily basis. But you you throw in like what the Golden Knights have been since they've been here every year. They're they're incredible content and entertainment. I mean, the year one is oh, they're going to the Stanley Cup final. Like, oh my God, how are they this good? And then since then, it's been. Goalies. What, what weird things are going to happen to this team? But now you like you throw in UNLV, they don't actually like go to bowl games or go to the NCAA tournament, but they're somehow providing content and entertainment on a monthly basis as well. Do we have the most entertaining 
sports market yes. in the country without the entertain- actually the sports entertainment capital of the world is also the most entertaining and funny. Right. Like <laughs> we have the most Mr. Bean of Yes. <laughs> like I'm guessing like New York has enough teams that surely they're they they've got more interesting Buffoonery. storylines yeah. than us. And Ky- and having Kyrie there. Because <laughs> it's it's there's just so many teams there. But like we've got a football team, a hockey team, a college, and then a bunch of, you know, smaller sports, and somehow it's it's incredible how much content there is where it's like, oh, they hired Bobby Petrino and he left three weeks later? That's hilarious. Yeah. Like, that's genuinely funny. Like, even before that, oh, they fired their coach after going five and seven? It's like their <laughs> best season in a decade? Like, it's just incredible that it, we don't even have teams that are, like, winning anything. Like, the Aces won the title. But, like, we don't have many teams that actually And they win. just went and had a parade and dropped F-bombs the entire night. <laughs> yes! <laughs> it's like we've got like one winner and yet we're still just endlessly entertained by that. It's incredible. We don't even have like it's not even like we have the Texans where we can just like make fun of them losing every game. Oh, they lose every yeah. game and it's like they the stink. teams are somewhat competent to where they win enough games. They're not just all it's it's awesome. What a great sports market we have here. We're gonna add more teams. Would adding more teams ruin it somehow? No, I don't think so. Okay. Should more, there should be more material. Be the A's. But like the A's would just be boring. Oh, I don't know. There'd be some competence level of like, all right, it's time to check in with Ed. How many rats in the soda? I guess (laughs) the soda machine. Roadrunners. I don't know what our our animal. They'd have a nice ballpark. Like the A's would be. We yell about why don't they spend any money? But then once you get into the season and you're like into May and you're like, oh, guess what? The lowest payroll in baseball is 30 games out after 40 games into the season. We will check in with them in a month next year. Right. Like uh, the A's would, would probably be, I mean, we get to yell about a few things, but but a LeBron owned NBA team, having a bad baseball team is probably the worst team to have. Well, because the season's so long, right? A bad football team is it's great because you know, it's going to be over pretty fast. Yeah. And at least you get to talk about draft picks and all that and baseball. Who cares what your draft, especially if you stink. Basketball and, and hockey wouldn't be great either, but baseball is every single day of during losing. the summer of, oh, look, they lost again. Right. They're on pace to win 64 right. games this year. Like, whew. yeah. That's why one of my favorite highlights is the Marlins announcer going, and the Marlins have done the job. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I got like 60 more of these to do. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going for broke on all of them. That would not be good. Um, but would probably be better than not having a Speaker of the House because you're voting for the 114th <laughs> Seventh, vo- seventh vote? We'll see if they get there.